All right, this is the Miami Heat Index with another heat cast. Today's topic is something that's near and dear to Pat Riley's heart, and that's the announcement that Magic Johnson made that he had HIV and had to retire from the NBA 20 years ago. So to discuss this topic with me, I have a biomedical engineer and a political science professor. We're actually doing research on the relationship between scientific discoveries in the field of HIV AIDS research and congressional activities. First, I have Manu Platt, biomedical engineer from Georgia Tech. How you doing today, sir? Very nice. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I have a guest, political science professor from Harvard, who has made many appearances on the HeatCast, uh, Matthew Platt. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about, I just want to talk about the 30 years uh, of AIDS research that's gone on since the disease came on the national scene. I guess you guys mentioned in the abstract for the paper you're working on that it all started in 1981. And David Ho said the same thing in the ESPN Films documentary, The Announcement, that it all first cases were seen, I guess, 1980, 1981. The west side of LA. Uh, so my first question is, you know, what was the state of HIV/AIDS research before Magic Johnson's announcement in 1980, in 1991? From 81 to 91, what was it like? Uh, Mon, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It was actually, if you when you talk to the clinician who were working on the problem, it was just us. Um, when patients would be diagnosed with, again, HIV had to came around about 83, 84, and when people were diagnosed, and they had about 10 years from that point to develop a full-blown AIDS and being and dying. Um, and then I think around 91, at the same time as Ryan White, I mean, that was when the first drug came out, AVT. And, um, and then if you remember Ryan White passed away shortly thereafter. So that starts to extend life a little bit, but still it was mostly diagnosis and death. Okay. Wait 10 years than that. All right. So, Matthew, what was the culture around AIDS politically for the first 10 years of the disease? <laughs> I don't really know. Um, from what we've seen so far in the research, many of the early bills that were introduced were not so much about how to care for patients. Or rather, many bills that passed were things that were written into appropriations legislation to prevent certain funds from being spent on aid in certain ways. So, for example, uh, there would be something written into a law to prevent funding from going towards aid education that focused on homosexuality. So there would be things like that, or things that would try to protect kind of, uh, in, in quotations, kind of the, the innocent from contracting AIDS through some means other than drug use or homosexuality. Okay, so that I guess... So and, that... and a big important point, a big important point that came out there that actually is one of the things that got us interested in it actually is uh, the travel restrictions on if people are HIV positive, they can pass travel restrictions that they cannot enter the U.S. And that was actually just lifted during Obama's uh, presidency, his first year in office. And so that was the climate. Keep it out, as Matthew said, keep it out of the country and keep it away from the 
Okay. Okay. And so I get the homosexual stigma came from the disease having that stigma around that it was a gay disease. Because I mean, it was even depicted that way by David Ho in the beginning of the documentary. That's how the disease began, or that's how the relationship between the disease and I guess our government began. And then we go to 1991, where Mono, I don't know if you remember this, but growing up, we only played fantasy basketball for one one season, and it was called rotisserie back then. And I was in 1991, and uh, you had Magic Johnson on your fantasy team, <laughs> which at the time none of us knew that I was going to be his last full season as a player, but. I just thought it was kind of curious that that happened, and now you're doing research on HIV/AIDS. It's kind of weird. And, and even even the word, well, he was the only performer on my team. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rest of your team is pretty bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that, all right. So 1991, uh, he makes the announcements, uh, and. Funny, well, some of the interesting things about me, to me, about the announcement and the documentary is, you know, they start off framing the announcement is pre-announcement, when he has to go home and tell his wife. And they spent, they spent the beginning of the documentary explaining how Magic was a, you know, dominant pro basketball player and he's a champion. And he was too focused on the game to get married because it took all of his energy to, to win championships and he just didn't have the time in his life to dedicate to anything else. But when he decided to get married, he decided to get married so that he had someone to share and all the pressure and things he goes through in his life trying to win those championships. Which, brief aside from HIV AIDS, sounds a lot like LeBron James who got engaged after losing the finals. That's putting that out there. Um, Interesting. Well, I think the other uh, not probably coincidental thing is that's also when he turned 30. Uh, Right. I mean, you got married at 29. I got married at 29. I know lots of people. It's, it's kind of an indication people get married. Yeah, but that's, that's, LeBron James is only 27, so you're messing up my comparison. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but either way, I bring up the marriage to bring Cookie into the discussion. Because, Manu, can you explain how is it possible that Cookie was HIV negative? Cavalier. So, 
Because we don't know how often or not they were using condoms. But every time you have sex with a person that's HIV positive, it's not guaranteed that you will contract virus. Some people are more infectious than others. Um, and depending on, you know, the protection that she had. So there are several ways she cannot get it. Now, what has happened once he um, was recognized to be positive and started to get treatment, um, back in the day, I think there was probably the one treatment unless, you know, everybody has these, you know, ideas that he had access to greater drugs. So the trip was that actually around 96 was when the HIV cocktail started. And that was when they saw levels drop tremendously. Levels, and that's where the levels of the virus are undetectable. And it's now very much understood in the scientific community that treatment is prevention. So when people are consistently taking their medication, survival levels can drop to where they lower their risk of transmissibility. And again, I'm not sure if he announced it right when he found out or after some length of time, because I haven't seen the full practice. No, so he announced but, it. Um, so here's the here's the timeline. So they found, you know he took a test before the, a physical before the season, it, and the part of it was an AIDS test. He came back HIV positive. Um, they ran a second test, which it took them two weeks to get the results from the second test. The second test confirmed that he was HIV positive. So all along from the time he found out to when he announced it was about three weeks. Oh really? He announced soon as he found out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's mind-blowing. Yeah, and so, wow. so so let's go into that decision to make the announcement. Cookie did not want to make the announcement. She thought they could just take care of, the, of it themselves. Magic wanted to make the announcement because he figured he could save lives by putting it out there that he had the disease because he didn't think people were really taking the disease that seriously or things of that nature. Um, but before we get into that, I have one last question. I have one last question about Cookie, uh, or two more questions about Cookie, actually. You know, one of the reasons she gave for staying with him after he told her was because she didn't know when he contracted the disease in their, you know, in their relationship. He could he could have gotten it ten years ago. She didn't know. So my first question, Manu, is that possible that he could have gotten HIV ten years before he told Cookie and just not have known? Uh, again, back in the day, ten years, there would have been something showing, some sickness showing. But you don't know if a person has HIV. That's why it's so dangerous, and that's why you have to protect yourself from everyone. Um, because it has no symptoms until it can stay latent. What happens is, okay, once the person contracts the virus, they usually go through this intense kind of flu-like symptoms for about two weeks. They usually take it for flu, or they're sick, right? And you deal with it. It's your body initially fighting this infection. Then over the next three to five years, it is slowly lowering your CD4, your T cell count, at the viral levels are increasing. But you really only, without treatment, when you start to see or you start to see AIDS developing, is when all of these other infections and opportunistic things start to attack the body. That's when people who have never been start to have problems, and then they go to the doctor and find out. So there is a good five to seven year period, or even longer, with no symptoms. So then, how well are, can you give like a range, what are the odds that in 1991, given the state of the disease medically, that he could have contracted HIV and gone as many as 10 years? I, again, without being an expert on this, I wouldn't have thought he could have made 10 years. I mean, the general the statistics of it, from contraction to 10 years, 
was going to be full blown AIDS. Right. But um, being an athlete, being in great physical condition, all these other things can help temper. You know, if his body's in peak condition, there are things that can where the other infections don't show, where the other detrimental things may not have been obvious. And then there's just natural human variation, right? But I would with ten years, I think, is a quite a long time. Okay. So and I think, and he made it clear that he was, you know, being he was cheating on Cookie during that time, right? He was what? Well, their their relationship was on and off. They weren't always together throughout the entire ten years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think it was like '85. He proposed, and then he he <laughs> he proposed to her in '85, and then he canceled the wedding because he didn't feel like he was ready. So then they didn't speak for a couple of years. <laughs> um, so you know they were on right. and off. So the trick over that ten years, the way you also think about that ten years is, uh, as you guys may know, it's the leading cause of death for Black women, age 25 to 34. question about that a little later too um so then one more question about cookie uh, matthew uh all three of us watch basketball wise (laughs) (laughs) the first thing that hit me watching documentary was cookie is the og basketball wife whether it's she because because she convinced herself that he could have gotten hiv when they weren't together or the fact that she stayed with him after he told her he had HIV in a state like California, and maybe Magic's lawyers protected him, but he she could have walked with half, I'm sure, <laughs> if she wanted to. So, do you think? Well, I don't know. But any of I can't see any of these modern day basketball wives doing what Cookie did. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think it's, I, yeah, I think it's important to make a distinction between Cookie and. Like Jennifer or Evelyn. I mean, from Cookie's point of the documentary, she's a different type of person. Right? She didn't move. She said even when they got back together, she moved to LA. She got her own place and her own job. That's not something that any of those would have done. So. Well, well, okay. It's it, 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 in a different way. So she was just kind of, right? They met their freshman year of college when he wasn't, he, he was Magic Johnson, but he wasn't Magic Johnson yet. Whereas. The women on basketball wives, by and large, were groupies looking for an NBA player when they met their NBA player. And let's, let's talk about we talk about original OGs. Think about what Magic was worth back then and what Magic is worth now. It's really messing it. <laughs> but you really wouldn't be rude about it. Um, but yeah, I think Matthew makes a good point. Cookie really did love, love Magic from the beginning. But you know, the other thing to think about, and again, I haven't seen the documentary from the most they discussed it, but she had, she got killed by magic. Well, this is the thing they say in the documentary, that the week before he told her, they had just found out she was pregnant. But didn't she have another one even after that? I think so. There seemed to be a second child in the in the pictures. Right. That he has a daughter with her, I think, right? And so, again, I get back to that important point about treatment and prevention. Now, I talked to a rich um, infectious disease doctor in Atlanta who he has rich white patients, white females, who are HIV positive. And they still want to have children. And then the pregnant, the father is going to impregnate them the natural way. He recommends against it because there are ways that you can still do it. 
But, you know, that's again, it's not every time you'll get infected. But, you know, long enough, it happens. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, all right. Well, that's interesting. So that was the, so we've, we've talked about what it was like before Magic found out he got it. He talked about the scene pre-announcement. So now I want to talk about the announcement. Uh, in the documentary, they say that that was our generation's JFK moment. And so I'll ask, I remember when I found, I remember where I was when I found out. I remember, um, I remember I was in gym class and I remember we were talking about it in gym class. And then I, you know, uh, the girl I took to the prom, she was a big Lakers fan, and I remember seeing her. I had, I walked right to her locker. It was like, oh my god, and she was crying. So, do you, Mon? I'll start with you. Do you remember where you were when Magic announced that he had AIDS or HIV? Sorry. I think I saw it at the house. I mean, I remember seeing or realizing it at the, at the house on TV. I don't know if I was over. I thought it was the weekend. It wasn't a Saturday. No, no, it was during the week. I remember watching it at home on CNN when he when like the press conference when he announced it. I remember seeing it on CNN. I think no one I was talking to at school was talking about it, but I think when they came home, that's not. I mean, I remember that gray background and everything else. I remember the day, but yeah, and I was just shocked. I was just shocked. But, now let me ask this: Is this before or after the Will Chamberlain with a thousand women announcement? Uh, this was after. So Will came first. And that's the part that always kills me about it, too. Well, that's another public health discussion, too. But, you know, these people that are having these kids and having all these things out of bed lock and with all these women, this is unprotected sex. Right? Wait, wait. suggesting <laughs> that Will Chamberlain died of AIDS? No, I didn't say that. I didn't okay. Okay. No, 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 no. I just mean, he's slept with thousands of women, and that, that announcement came out, and then Magic is right behind saying, I, lived in, I had all kinds of women, et cetera. And HIV positive. You know, it's a, it's a, people should realize that it's a risk when you're doing these kinds of unprotected things. And I'm not saying it wasn't protection, but you know. Matthew, do you remember? Yeah. Matthew, you remember where you were when uh, the announcement came out? I mean, I just have some vague recollection of it being uh, at, at the house. You were young. You were like 10 years old. So, All right. So, well, now here's the question then. Uh, you know, and <laughs> there's a lot of hype this year with the ESPN documentary and the 20th anniversary of everything about the impact that Magic's announcement had on the culture at large, perception of HIV AIDS. Um, and, and one of the things that you guys said in your abstract was, you know, preliminary results suggest congressional attention to HIV AIDS is driven by the standard variables in political science, party affiliation, ideology, majority status, etc. cetera. Uh, but your preliminary analysis suggests congressional attention has become more humane and inclusive as opposed to discriminatory over time. Do you think when you finish your research that Magic Johnson's announcements will play a landmark role in that change? So one of the things that um, I've read in working on this project is there's some of the research about public opinion, where the idea is how do people define the face of disease? And that's one of the things they talk about in the documentary, that Magic wanted to you know, make himself the face of, uh, of HIV and AIDS. And that one of the effects that had on public opinion is that when you see people's attitudes 
huge towards AIDS policy that instead of it being driven by their attitudes on homosexuality, it began to be driven by their attitudes on heterosexuality. So the idea is that instead of seeing it just as this kind of gay disease, now it's this disease that heterosexuals can get to. So people who strongly disapprove of premarital sex now would have stronger views against providing things for AIDS research, whereas before it was people who strongly disapproved of homosexuality. So are you saying that Madge's announcement had a negative impact? No, no, no. The idea is that it's a positive impact in the sense that it's changing the moral dimension that people use. So before, it would be, if, it, if the moral dimension uh, was homosexuality, which at that time in the 1990s, people thought was this horrible, terrible thing in general, right? the public opinion wasn't the same as it is today, then you can completely ignore AIDS and HIV and view it as this terrible thing because it affects this other group that is not you. If the moral dimension that you're looking at it now is premarital sex, which in 1990 is basically largely accepted by everybody, then it's only a very small minority who are going to use a discriminatory lens to look at the disease. So it's positive in that sense. Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. So... <laughs> but the other point is a study of that, but the science didn't mean anything. <laughs> well, okay, right. So I'm going to get to the science next. Well, one thing before the science. Um, so, you know, one of the few guests they have, they have a few guests, but one of the people they feature in the documentary is Carl Malone, who was famous. Oh, well, ask about that. Right. So who's famous for his reaction that um, after, even after playing with Magic in the Olympics, he didn't want to play with Magic when Magic wanted to return to the league. Uh, so given the moral dimensions of that time, Matthew, <laughs> was Carl Malone's reaction lunacy? Was it atypical? Or it was the lunacy of his reaction? Because it was... It was it was insane. But was it atypical for that era or typical? Well, I mean, I think also you have to consider at the time that like, one of the reasons, for, one of the things the documentary doesn't focus on are the kind of the embarrassing moments for magic that happened after that, which I guess makes sense. But it was, you know, you kind of went on this tour of, no, trust me, I definitely got this new heterosexual activity. Sure. Right. And... Carl Malone's attitude at the time is perhaps that he doesn't necessarily believe it, maybe, right? Uh, no, no, I don't think he was accusing Magic of being gay. His attitude was that he didn't want to contract HIV from posting Magic up. Yeah, right, yes. I, I guess, yeah, so, yeah, I guess that those are the different things that, um, so Carl Malone would have basically have the same feelings about, like, uh, hemophiliac, child-born with the disease, whatever. It would be the same, like, I don't want to post any of these people up. And that's different than what the research is talking about. The research is more about what should you do to help people, not how do you want to interact with them. Uh, well, let me ask this. Let me phrase it this way, then. So, you know, there are, we were talking about the history before Magic, and Manu mentioned Ryan White, um, which is you know, one of the more famous AIDS cases. But, you know, they show clips of Ryan White in the documentary. <laughs> And parents yelling at him how they don't want Ryan White infecting their kids. I mean, is Carl is, does Carl Malone's reaction fall in line with the reaction to Ryan White? Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. And you know, the problem with that too, though, is that it was ignorant back then, and at the time, there was a lot that we didn't know about the disease, as for sure. So, I mean, a lot everyone didn't know. But surprisingly, it's as much as we still know now, and people will have that same kind of response but still would not protect themselves during their sexual activity. That's just weird. 
understand how many people have. Well, here's my question then. But if, if I mean, Ryan White, I mean, Monty, you said Ryan White was around the same time, but I think he was, Ryan White was before Magic's announcement. So yeah. why didn't the Ryan White case change any people's perceptions? Because it's kind of the street thing, right? He got it from a blood transfusion. Right. And most people don't have blood transfusions. And so, like, well, it's still not me. Right. He had this genetic disease. One out of 15 or 15,000 people in the country have it. That's all he got. Right, but wasn't there, I mean, wasn't the whole point of, like, Michael Jackson's campaign for Ryan White and all that to, to try to promote acceptance of the disease so that he didn't have to, people wouldn't think that they could catch HIV from being and breathing the same air as Ryan White? Yes, exactly. But, you know, that was after he got kicked out of school. That's and what people I mean. still, no, I know. at the right. time, didn't know all the different fluids that could be passed through. And, and it's actually reflected in some of the laws that Matthew's pulled out about the protection for healthcare workers and and these other laws that weren't, the science had to catch up. The no, I understand that up. part of it, though, but, I mean, Ryan White was two years before Carl Malone made his comments. So why was there any change in perception in the two years from Ryan White to Carl Malone's comments? Well, like, I didn't hear about Ryan White when I was in college. Right, you have to be careful with Ryan White. He started to, he, his case happened, but he actually did not pass away until, I think, 93 or 94. I have to check that. So he was starting to get his fame on during this magic of not coming out with it. And these things are happening is now making more of a national figure. It was just first, the first thing that put him into the spotlight was him being kicked out of school for being HIV positive. Right, and that was all And then, the- his, then he and his family became activists, and that crossed over with magic's announcement. They were, they overlapped in that time frame. Okay, I still think it's enough. Okay, I think it's enough that. Well, I still think it's surprising that. I still just saying. He died in 1990. I just looked it up. He died in 1990. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, I remember. Blazer says in the documentary, but so not Ryan White was this national thing, but no people didn't know who Ryan White was. No, 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 no. That's not. That's that's not going to change your view. No, no, no. You could be sympathetic to Ryan White, but that's not going to change your broader view. But that's not. But that's not true, though. Ryan, I mean, Michael Jackson came to Ryan White's cause. Michael Jackson was yeah, the most. Yeah, but Michael Jackson can come to comes to the cause of the hungry in Ethiopia. No one cares. That's. You're not. You're missing the point. The point is not whether people care. The point is why didn't people learn to accept the disease if when it had so much national attention? Oh, because because they still did not know a lot about it. Again, in 1990, people were still dying. I'm just looking at the episode that Ryan lived five years longer than his doctors expected him to live. But that's also because AZT came out around the time that he was battling it. And everybody, this was a time of fear. It was a lot of fear. Okay. So then, well, let's talk about the AZT because we're going to have to wrap it up in a couple minutes. How is it, Monty, please explain to me, how did Magic's immune system become indistinguishable from a normal person's? Okay, so that's not correct. Oh, what? What, what, what? That's what, what Dr. Ho said on the documentary. Right. That's what David okay, Ho said so on the documentary. Here's the deal, okay? I don't know. I, okay, well, there's some nice words that I need to see the documentary, so I'm not going to judge the doctor. But in the field of HIV, when they say that the viral loads have become undetectable, okay? The most sensitive test that we have now can detect um, one or 50 copies of the viral RNA, right, or the viral genome and I think a microliter. Now, when you see these studies, that depending on the machine that you use to do it, there is a range of error, et cetera. So they say that if it's below 400 
copy per microliter is undetectable because that's within the range of error, right? But that doesn't mean you're not getting viral copies detected, okay? Because as we all know, once people stop taking their meds, the virus comes back. It's hiding out in these reservoirs, and the community is looking for eradication, finding where it's hiding so that it doesn't come back. So his, if, when they say, so when trying to speak to the general public, they say things in plainer language, right? So, for example, it's probably true, Matt, because the same number of T-cells as a regular person and everything else as a regular person has the same number. And that is as long as he also is still taking his medication. And then as soon as he stops, everything comes out of hiding. And it will be back. And these will be drug resistant strains. So it, to say it's the same is, is a, uh, it's a popular term, just so you can offer it. And I, and I get it, because it also can like help stop stigma, right? But the, the, the truth is that the people who are HIV positive taking their meds, they still have about a 10-year shorter lifespan than people without the virus. So, and now we're trying to work and figure out why, so we can stop that from happening. Okay. All right. So then, so let me ask this question then, uh, because in the in your abstract you say that politics, Trump science is a driver of congressional agenda setting. Um, you said that little evidence exists of Congress allocating attention to HIV/AIDS in response to important scientific discoveries and breakthroughs. So the fact that the science has advanced to the point where, you know, David Ho can make the statement that he made about Magic's immune system being indistinguishable from a normal person or a mind being even the more correct term that the levels are undetectable um, while he's taking the medication. It's still a long way from 1981 when, like you said, the life expectancy was short uh, once you contacted, contracted the disease. So I remember David Hope being time man of the year for his work in HIV AIDS research. And it seems like you guys are saying that even at that point, his fame was not having an impact politically. Yeah, I mean, basically, when, when we look at just in terms of the number of bills introduced uh, in Congress that has to do, that relate to HIV AIDS, there's a spike uh, around the late 80s, which is basically around Ryan White. There's a spike in attention where Congress didn't really pay any attention at all to the disease before that. And then the, it's essentially stable. Uh, so there, it goes up and down, kind of fluctuations around an average, but there's no real change. And the only other blip that we see is President Bush's um, PEPFAR plan, where he'd uh, offer antiretroviral drugs uh, in Africa. And those are the only changes. Which Bush are we talking about? 15 years apart. So we're talking about Bush's H. You're talking about GW, not Bush's. No, 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 George W. Bush. Okay. W. Bush. That's the best thing he did, and that's, but that's where the political climate comes into play. In the U.S., and it's, it's interesting, especially with the Supreme Court voting on this healthcare bill, when, when W. Bush put into PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, in Africa, particularly South Africa and these other sub-Saharan African countries, the AIDS medication is paid for. They can go and get their AIDS medication for free. And it may be an older generation that we have here, but it works. Here in the U.S., you don't get it for free. So if you are diagnosed HIV positive, you want your medication, what people are going to have to do because there's no health care, there's none of these plans, you quit your job, you get on Medicaid, and then you get it paid for, or you try to get your insurance to work it out and you pay a 1000 2000 a month for your medication. Especially now knowing transmission is or treatment is prevention, 
But still, the politics here are, well, we need to make money off healthcare. And that's one of, that's just one of these examples of how the scientists know this, but it's not going to be, frankly, the political system. And the numbers of people that constantly get infected with HIV, they're only increasing in the U.S. So with more scientific knowledge, the numbers are not going down. Okay, interesting. All right, so then one last question for each of you before we wrap it up. Uh, Matthew, my question for you then is, it seems to me like Magic's case would be a combination of both you know, science and politics. Science from the aspect that David Holt made a statement about his immune system in the documentary that is incredible. Uh, and then from politics because you know he's famous. But when you just gave your little political timeline for HIV-AIDS, you didn't mention that Magic's announcement made a blip on the on the timeline. You mentioned Ryan White, and then you mentioned Bush, but not Magic. And I know Magic quit the first president Bush's AIDS commission, but so I guess talk about, I mean, is that, does Magic, where does Magic fit in all of this then? Where do you expect the research will show he fits? So I, I expect that the research will not show um, any difference at all. Um, one of the key changes that we see is not just in terms of who sponsors the legislation. We've also spoken today about um, the content of the bills. The other aspect of what changes is who sponsors the bills. So basically it was liberal Democrats. So liberal Democrats would see something like Matt Johnson uh, announcing his HIV, and then they would continue to try and get um, support programs, social programs, more humane policy towards HIV through Congress. But they were the only people kind of carrying that water. It's only with Bush's uh, efforts in PEPFAR that finally we start to see kind of conservatives and Republicans actually caring about HIV and AIDS. And as Manu said, they only care about it as this kind of foreign policy issue, not as a domestic issue at all. So I expect that we will find Magic Johnson has really no impact on congressional attention to the disease. All right, then, my mind for you, I mean, as an AIDS researcher and, you know, you're out there applying for grants and all of this stuff, what's the reputation of the Magic Johnson Foundation in the research community? Like, does, does, his, does his foundation supply grants for AIDS research? Um, are they, do they have programs where they provide the retrovirals to poor communities in the United States? I mean, what do you know about it? Uh, sadly, I don't know a lot about it. I do know that Bill Gates, Foundation and the Clinton Foundation are very big contributors to the international AIDS causes. I think, I'm not clear on magic, but I think it's important to know there's also a place for the public health aspect to educate people, get the condoms out, talk to young people. And I, I just think from what I've heard that his does more with that, which is, again, we can do the best science in the world, but if you can't convince people to follow it, then it means nothing, right? I think it plays more on that side, but I, again, I, I can't. I, I never heard of someone getting a Magic Johnson research, research grant. Okay. Um, but the other, the other point I just wanted to make, just to follow up on what Matthew said, was, you know, when I when I go to these World AIDS meetings and they talk about, you know, AIDS in the U, I mean, AIDS in Southern Africa and all of this, it's not the numbers of the U.S., but the numbers, some of those numbers are, are rivaling what we have in the African American population here in the U.S. that are being ignored. Because, as Matthew said, the money's going over international, but those things affect our communities here as well, just not the majority uh, U.S. population. So, you know, that's the political right. thing. But it used to be a gay white disease, and there were the white kids who were out there, you know, a lot more fear, a lot more of these other things. 
But now, as African American population has risen to now be the most infected, you're seeing less happen in the government. Okay. And then the last on, kind of- on that point, there, there's a, a, a kind of classic book in black politics called um, The Boundaries of Blackness, written by Kathy Cohen, who's a professor at the University of Chicago. And her book is, is all about basically why black members of Congress were not paying attention to HIV and AIDS when it was you know, ravaging black communities. And the argument is that basically because they, they viewed it as these kind of outsiders, even within the minority, so that you're marginalized even among a marginal group. So drug users uh, and homosexuals were viewed as right, beneath, right, or were discriminated against even against by black people who are themselves discriminated against. And so black politicians wouldn't pay attention at all. So one of the impacts that magic may have, and this is something maybe that Mono and I can look at, is it may change the perception that black politicians took of the disease. Or because magic is now this kind of public black face talking about how it affects black communities, then maybe that could be an impetus that would have pressed black members of Congress to take a stronger role. Because now when you look at it, you do see black members of Congress introducing a lot of this legislation where you didn't see them doing that before. So maybe that's a change that we could attribute to magic. Well, that, and that was going to be one of my follow-up questions was, you know, does his foundation do a lot of lobbying with Maxine Waters or anything like that since they're in the same community? Um, then the last thing I wanted to say then is uh, in terms of the public awareness work that they that the foundation does. I can't attest to that. I live in Harlem, and there are found there are billboards all around Harlem with Magic's face on it, talking about uh, HIV/AIDS uh, testing and medication. So I mean, buses, whatever. Uh, so yeah, though they are active that way. And then, uh, in terms of um, the one last comment, is Mona, you said that as black women have risen uh, in terms of their infection rates. I think, you know... The number one killer, 25 to 34, black women. Right, but I don't... I mean, if we're talking about Risen, we're talking about a long time period for Risen because in the documentary, you know, Magic was talking about it being the number one killer of black women from 17 to 30, and that was 20 years ago. So... Right. You know, this... It's, if it's been Risen, it's been Risen for a long time. Well... I think, well, in the world, I mean, again, the rates have been better, right? They are, they have been the most, the highest, the most rate of, I'm saying in bad English, the highest rate of new infection a year. Now, if you're the highest rate of new infection, your numbers are going to continue to go up and up and up and up. And here we are. Yeah. All right. It's terrible. And, and I think, I think when Matthew made a really good point, Magic made it clear that his heterosexual is awesome. I think that's what people need to remember. But I think the, the other cautionary tale is to talk to these young people. They think there's a cure because Magic Johnson is doing fine, right? Or he's doing well with his disease. And that's what they say. They can cure it. They just haven't gotten it to us yet. But if we had more money, we would be cured too. But that's a cautionary tale. That's not true. There is no cure right now. And so that's why it's best to live. They can treat it, but that's why it's best to not get it. And Magic stresses right. And Magic stresses that point in the documentary that you just made. So just wrap it up, uh, Manu. Let everybody know uh, when people will be able to access this paper and where you guys are presenting the post. I know you're going to build poster presentation or something of that nature. <laughs> so yes, we have been. Our abstract has been accepted for presentation at the World AIDS Conference in Washington D.C. 2012, um, sponsored by the International AIDS Society. Um, and so we'll be in actually social sciences. Um, section for the presentation. Uh, we can update your blog um, later when we get the final presentation details. Sounds good. Thank you very much for coming on and talking about this, guys. All right. Thank you. All right, thank you.